Ah, yes, I do enjoy gardening. I believe the turnips are ready for a pull. Hmm? I say, that is one peculiar turnip. It reminds me of a story. Welcome to Peculiar Turnips, the podcast where peculiar stories have a way of turning up. Yes, our tales are strange and surreal, but they'll ring the wind chimes in your imagination, and then they'll resonate in your heart. So, let's get digging for some good ones. Peculiar Turnips presents... Walter's Wastebasket, written and narrated by Richard Morgan. Walter Bitterpill was an important man with an important job in a very important family. Or at least that's what he had been told. When you've been told the same thing since birth, you have a tendency to believe it. He woke up feeling important. He went to work telling everyone he was important. And he came home wondering why people were never as important as he was. <sighs> Must be something to do with their genetics. But all that changed for Mr. Bitterpill one day, when he woke up and found that something was very different about his body. He found that his chest had become a cabinet with very short doors. They, they slid side to side rather than swing outward. And inside that cabinet in his chest was a small waste basket. It was already lined with a tiny little trash liner. He pinched himself to see if he was dreaming, but he wasn't. He was very much awake. His chest was very much a cabinet, and that cabinet very much contained a waste basket. He looked around. His wife was still asleep. He did his best not to panic. He tried to think of ways he could hide this. Now, this severe alteration of his physiology made him feel that his importance was somehow being threatened. He attempted putting on a shirt over it. Well, none of his shirts were able to fit over his chest's new shape try as he may, only a few buttons would button, and the doors kept sliding open, making the wastebasket visible. When his wife woke up and looked at him, she blinked a few times, uncertain about her own state of consciousness. Walter, she said, what on earth has happened to your chest? Nothing, nothing at all, Agnes, he said. What do you mean, nothing? You've got a little cabinet in the middle of your chest. No, I don't. It's a trick of the light. Oh, it most certainly is not, she said, putting on her glasses. Oh, and what's that inside? A wastebasket? No, it's not. It, it's nothing, Walter said. I'll, I'll get rid of it as soon as I possibly can. And I'm sure there's a way to turn the cabinet back into my ribs or something. His wife took a tissue and blew her nose like the blast from an angel's trumpet, like she did every morning. She got a mischievous glimmer in her eye, 
and she tossed the tissue through the narrow opening in his shirt, through the doors, and right into the wastebasket. She pumped one flabby arm in the air in celebration. Walter was furious. Excuse me, I am not a trash can. Oh, come now, Walter, I was just having a bit of fun. How many people can say that they've thrown a snot rag into their husband's chest without missing? He didn't answer. He finished dressing, and he set about getting out the door. Most of the people Walter saw every single day were distracted. People in the subway were looking at their phones or a book. People on the street were looking straight ahead or at their feet or at the storefronts. But for some reason, now that he had a cabinet with a wastebasket in his chest, everybody had to notice. And heaven forbid, a few of them were chuckling. Some people who were older, like Walter, asked him if he was all right. He was still convinced that he was more important than those people, so he didn't receive this treatment very kindly. Of course I'm doing well. Haven't you ever seen a man with a wastebasket in his chest before? On the subway, one gentleman who could have passed as a young Walter crumpled up a piece of memo paper and made a pot shot. The creamy yellow paper sailed through the opening in Walter's chest and went expertly into the wastebasket. Walter gaped with eyes full of shock at the man who had his dark hair slicked back, wearing a smart black business suit and a red tie. He was clearly cut from the same cloth as Walter, minus the cabinet and wastebasket in his chest. "'I beg your pardon,' Walter said. "'Oh, I'm sorry,' the man said. "'It's been a while since I've had a challenging shot like that one, so thank you very much.' <laughs> Walter was about to throw hands when the door to the subway opened and it was time for him to get off. Walter cried aloud as wadded-up newspaper that stank of human feces sailed into his wastebasket. A homeless man jumped up and down, cheering. Furious, Walter picked up a rock and threw it. He hit him square between the eyes, and the man rubbed his head. But he wouldn't stop laughing. <laughs> My toilet paper did more damage than your rock! <laughs> Walter found that there was a message on his desk, summoning him to his boss's office. Walter never liked his head honcho, but he kissed just as much butt as anyone else that wanted a future in the company. Yes, Mr. Rivers, you called for me. Well, it's come to my attention that you have a wastebasket in your chest. It's temporary, sir. The doctor said it can't come off until after the surgery. Oh, come now, I didn't say it was a problem. Surprise registered in Walter's eyes. His boss met this with a smile. Do me a favor, Walter, please. Stand over there, next to the artificial palm tree. Walter obeyed. Uh, let's see that wastebasket. Walter opened his shirt, and there it was. His boss opened a bag of chips and devoured them with relish. 
Then he crumpled up the bag and tossed it right into Walter's chest. Well, Bitter Pill, I think you've finally found a way to earn your paycheck. The workday ended and Walter exited his building, but the humiliation followed him. The planet had somehow chosen to zero in on that wastebasket. Children chalked their chewing gum at it. Joggers tossed their empty water bottles into it. Allergy sufferers bombarded it with their tissues. And then there were the people that spit whenever they see a trash can. <laughs> Why should I be a magnet for the world's garbage? I am a very important man, leading a very important life. Be that as it may. The only thing the world noticed about Walter was the wastebasket. The last straw came when Walter took a detour to a bar. He wasn't handling his new role in life very well. He stared at a shot glass full of whiskey. He contemplated the shot glass itself. It had a function. To hold drink. So long as it carried out its function, it was useful, maybe even appreciated. As soon as it was done with its function, it was forgotten about. Nobody left the bar reflecting fondly on the glass they drank from. They all looked alike. Once the job was done, the glass was forgotten. Should the glass no longer be able to carry out its function, it would go in the trash without a second thought. And Walter was the trash it would go in. Was he now less than a shot glass in the world's vast food chain? Rather, someone interrupted his thoughts. A red-nosed gentleman tipped his ball cap. Why don't you be a brother and let me dispose of this lottery ticket in your little basket there. Oh, yeah? Well, why don't you go on being the useless talking dog pile you've been since birth and go play in traffic in front of the abortion clinic that clearly owes your mother a refund? Huh? How about that? The soggy stranger tried to get mad and make a biting comeback but he ended up vomiting instead. He directed the fountain of beer and stomach acid soup into Walter's wastebasket. Walter knew he'd have to get home soon, or else Agnes would start to worry about him. But he just wasn't adjusting well at all. He'd been told all his life how important he was. He had believed every word of it. He had been told how unimportant most of the world was. Waste of space, the bulk of the human race. Waste. And there he was, a waste basket with legs. Is that how it felt, to be one of the ordinary people that he looked down his nose at every day? He was so caught up in his thoughts that he didn't see the woman getting out of the taxi. 
Now, on any other day, he would have told her that she ought to watch where he was going. But that day, he actually said, excuse me. Oh, oh dear, no, excuse me, and I say, you've got a waste basket in your chest. Walter began to cry. <laughs> I know. I woke up with it, and I don't know what to do with it. Everyone has been using me for their trash, and nobody listens when I say I'm not a trash can. Goodness me, what a strange circumstance. Walk with me for a moment and keep an old woman company, would you? She tapped her way with her cane, supporting her drooping back. Uh, what's your name, young man? Walter chuckled. I would imagine we're much closer in age than you think. My name is Walter, and I... He caught himself. Come again, dear? You're what? <sighs> My parents had raised me to announce how important I am everywhere I went. I, uh, I'm, I'm questioning that. Ah. Well, Mr. Walter, do you believe in miracles by any chance? Oh, I suppose so. Why? Well, it just so happens that my nephew, Philip, woke up to a peculiar turn in his fortune when he was just twelve years old. He had made a routine trip to the doctor, and they found something. So there he is, just twelve years old, and his doctor is telling him that he probably has no more than six months to live. The woman took a drink from a can of Mountain Dew. So, his family organized a fund so that Philip could live out those six months with flourish, and Oh, the response was overwhelming. People that didn't even know Philip were donating, and he was set in no time. His first stop, <laughs> Disneyland. The woman paused in front of her apartment to finish her story. So the, the bus pulled up outside of his home, and everyone began to board it. But Philip stubbed his toe and tumbled and split his head open like a cantaloupe on a fire hydrant. Oh, that's terrible. What was the miracle? The woman emptied her soda can. Oh, there wasn't any miracle. I, I just wanted you to follow me so I could throw this away. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Peculiar Turnips. The show is written and produced by myself, Richard Morgan. Our theme song is by the amazing Alexander Hoff. Additional sound effects and music are often taken from freesound.org. Otherwise, they are credited in the show notes. Depending on which platform you're listening in on, please consider rating us, subscribing, and leaving a comment. We hope to see you in this corner of the turnip patch another time. Take care.